Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. My name is Tyler, and along with my beautiful wife, Ty, we have the distinct honor and privilege of being the lead pastors here at All Nations Aurora, and we're glad that you are in the building with us today. We're actually starting a brand new series today that we have titled, God is fill in the blank. Now, why would we go there? I I think it's important that we do go there because um, there's a lot of definitions as to who God is. And a lot of them are pretty bad. (laughs) A lot of them are inaccurate. A lot of them are outright false. And so I think it's important Um, according to the Spirit of God in me, that we go on a journey to discover somewhat of the truth of who God is. Because there's going to come days and times and seasons where you're going to need to call on a God that you know for yourself. You're going to have to call on a God that you know without a shadow of a doubt has the ability to come into the situation and turn the situation around. So that's why it's important that we take some time this month to know who our God is. We're not supposed to just do a every Sunday ritual. Oh, it's Sunday, let me go to church. No, 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 no. All the work that God sent his son to do on the cross was for your every day. He wants you to know him in a very personal way. He doesn't want you to know him from a distance. He wants you to know him intimately. He doesn't want to remain a mystery to you. He wants you to journey into his presence. And so that's why we're going to have these series of conversations all month long to help us all understand a little bit better about who God is. And and the the, the scripture that we'll use to anchor this entire series is found in Ephesians, the second chapter and the 10th verse. And it reads, for we are God's masterpiece. I mean, that word alone should should light you up on the inside because you should be pretty well acquainted of how broken, messed up, and flawed you actually are. I know we don't know you like that, but you know you like that. And despite all those things that come to your mind, God called you a masterpiece. And not just any masterpiece. He personalized it. He said, you're his masterpiece. He's behind everything that's in your life. All the gifts, the talents, the skills, the purpose. He said, when I look at you, I see a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That phrase, good things in the original language, 
is speaking to the things that we do with our life that bring him glory. So he has already predetermined that there are some good things that you're supposed to do. You might be saying, Pastor, but I'm not a good person. I know. Me either. <laughs> but something happens when you come into relationship with Jesus. Something dramatic happens. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because what we have to understand that God's work in us begins with a blank canvas. There should have been about five more amens with that realization. Here's why this is important, Dawson. Because we show up to the cross dirty. We show up to the cross filthy. We show up to the cross broken. We show up to the cross dysfunctional. And God doesn't take those broken and dysfunctional pieces and, and tries to make a full puzzle out of it. You know what he does? He wipes the slate clean. You become a blank canvas. No matter what they say about you, no matter how they try to remind you of who you used to be and what you used to do, and who you used to do it with. In the presence of God, when you come to him, you're a blank canvas. And he begins the process of creating a masterpiece. Let that, let that settle in. Because sometimes we get acquainted with church because we've been coming for a long time. I, I, I was born into the church. I was raised in the church. I've been in the church all my life that we forget how much we need him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You need him just as much today as you did on that day when you came to him and surrendered your life. His power is still just as important and just as potent and just as necessary on this day. Church, never, ever lose your dependency on the great I am. No matter how many stages you've stayed on, no matter how many prayers you've prayed, no matter how many fasts you've gone through, you're still not good enough without him. This is going to be one of those today. But I want you to know that it's for our good. So all month we're going to be talking about God is filling the blank, which brings us to today's topic. And we'll begin that journey in the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 1 and two, and it reads, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. That word bodies, if we just read it with our American vocabulary, we'll think that he's talking just about our physical being, but in the original text, it's the totality of who you are. Paul is admonishing us to give everything 
about us to God. Why? Because of all that he's done. He outlined all that in Romans chapter one, all the things that he's done for us. And he goes on to say, let them, our bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice. Sacrifices require cuts and blood and pain. This is going to be one of those today. He is admonishing us that we should live our life in such a way that sacrifice is in the middle of what we do. Some of y'all, if it snow too much, won't come to church. That's not a sacrifice. Are we all right? We're talking about what the Bible says. A living sacrifice. You getting one argument with your spouse, I'm staying home. A living sacrifice. You gonna get Beyonce tickets, but you ain't paid no time. Did I go too far, Andrea? Did I go too far? A living, what? Sacrifice. Too many Christians want comfort and ease (laughs) because because the blessings of the Lord (laughs) added no sorrow out of context. That's not what that scripture is saying. If you're going to live for him, there's going to be some sacrifice necessary. Why? Because he did it for you on that cross. Stretched out, bleeding, hung there. They mocked him, spit on him. That was the blueprint. He became a sacrifice so that you can in turn become a living sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform. Everybody shout transform. Transform Transform you into a new person, not a better one, not an improved one, a new one. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. You're so confused about God's will for your life. Maybe there's a transformation problem standing in the way, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Today's topic is God is transformational. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want you to rain down on us, change us completely, transform us from the inside out so that we can become living sacrifice. It's holy, pleasing, acceptable unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, I remember as a kid, there was a certain point, my, my dad was real big into road trips and 
Every summer we would drive to New Jersey where he was from and um, we would use a car. My dad was a Cadillac man, all right? Um, but as I began to grow, that back seat got a little smaller for me, if possible, Nick. And, uh, you know, we're talking about 16 hours. And so they started investigating motorhomes. And I thought that was really cool. They brought all the brochures home, and I would look through them, and man, I got excited. It never happened. But <laughs> I remember that to, 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 to the degree that I even talked to Ty, unconvincingly, she hasn't agreed yet, to rent a motor home and, and, and take some road trips that way. <laughs> but motor homes, y'all pray, motor homes, I believe in the power of prayer. Motor homes <laughs> are very, 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 very interesting phenomena because with the advent of the motor home, we can now take our home and the things that we like and put them on four wheels and, and, and go wherever we want. A camper no longer needs <laughs> to contend with the sleeping bag and the tent. We ain't got to be wrapped up and rolling around on the dirt. We don't have to, we don't have to, to, to make a fire to stay warm because we got the motorhome or, or worry about going back and forth to the local river or stream to get water for our trip. Now uh, we can park a fully equipped home. Huh? Granite countertops. I mean, what's going on? Granite, granite countertops and satellite TV and we could just drive that thing and we could just we could just park in the middle of some, of some trees and and just how we ain't got to go out in the dirt we ain't got to worry about no smoke from the fire and, and, and in a lot of ways we ain't even got to go outside got a kitchen a little fridge comfortable mattresses <laughs> We see the thing is though, we buy a motorhome to go out into the world, to go and experience new places and new environments. And yet we buy the motorhome and put all the stuff in the motorhome that's in our regular home. And so we go to a new environment with the stuff we already had expecting a new experience. So now we're going camping without actually going outside. Nothing, nothing actually changed. We took our old life, brought it into a new environment, and expecting a new experience. So many of us are doing that in our walks of faith with God. We want God to just kind of tweak us a little bit. Tighten us up in certain areas. Make things a little bit better than they were. The problem is, that's not the gospel. The gospel is not here to improve you. Is this tough? Does this sound heretical? It's not. 
The gospel is not here to make you feel better. The gospel is, is not here to make you look better to other people. The gospel is not here to improve your finances, to make your marriage better. The gospel is here to transform you. The gospel is not here merely to provide a change. Don't worry, I'm a teacher, I'm gonna get you there. The gospel is here to provide you a transformation. Let me give you a scripture for all my super saints. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, not better, not a little different, <laughs> not improved, but new. I guess we got to continue. Old things have passed away. They haven't been drugged into the new situation. They haven't been maintained in your back pocket just in case. Ah, them things are gone. They are dead. <laughs> Behold, all things have become new. When you show up to that bloody cross, you're supposed to come out on the other side a new creation. It should be that obvious. that you came out on the other side different than what you came in. Mm. Now, it's a process. It's a big, fancy theological term called sanctification, and it's something that we continuously go through. But, 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 my brothers and my sisters, it should be obvious that you met Jesus. People should be a little confused when they enter your presence. Like, man, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but something's different about you. Are y'all with me? The gospel is not here to change you. The gospel is not here to improve you. The gospel is not here to better you. The gospel is here to transform you into a new creation. Transformation and change are two terms that are often used interchangeably, but they are, in fact, two very different concepts. Change refers to a simple alteration in one's circumstances, while transformation refers to a complete an utter overhaul of a person's very being. <laughs> Change is often external, meaning it is something that is imposed upon us or happens to us. You can change your occupation. You can change your living situation. 
While these changes can be significant, they don't necessarily have a profound impact on the individual's being. They're just external circumstantial changes. Change is often temporary and it can be reversed. Transformation, on the other hand, is internal. A deep and lasting change in a person's thoughts, beliefs, and outlook. It's a process of self-discovery and growth that leads to a complete transformation of your character. This is what the gospel is for. There should be a change in your character. Transformation is a spiritual journey that involves a change in the way a person sees the world. A way should be different about how you interact with other people. On the internet too? Not just in here on Sunday mornings where you tell everybody you blessed and highly favored? But what about that comment you left under that picture? What about that gossip that you reposted? Something should be different about your relationship with others. Something should be different about your relationship with God. It's a journey that leads to a new way of thinking and living. And here it is, it's permanent. When a transformation takes place, Permanent, irrevocable. As Christians, we believe that through faith in Jesus Christ, we can experience transformation in our lives, not just in our circumstances, but a complete overall of our hearts, our minds, and most importantly, our souls. That's why, again, that scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. That old stuff died. The Bible teaches us that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be transformed into new creations free. Somebody say free. Free Free from the bondage of sin and death. Listen, I know this is a little weighty. I, I am intentionally being theological with this series. Because this is the year of cultivation. And it's important that you know why you're sitting in that seat, why you're watching this video, why you're listening to this podcast. You need to know why you're here. Stop playing with God. Because you represent God everywhere that you go. So you need to know, as we used to say back in the day, who you with, who you represent in these streets. If you don't know him, you might mess this thing up. Let me show it to you through a story found in the book of John, the third chapter, with a brother named Nicodemus. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Sometimes we, we, we put Nicodemus in the little Sunday school. We say, oh, yeah, he was short. And he had to go up high to him. Nicodemus was that dude. He was a Jewish leader. He was a rabbi. He was a Pharisee. 
And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. That's important because he didn't want nobody to know he was hollering at Jesus. That's why I said it was after dark. You know, he had a reputation to uphold. Some of y'all be on that. That's your jobs and at the family barbecue. You're trying to uphold a reputation. And so you come to see Jesus on the down low. I guess I'll continue. <laughs> Rabbi, he said, we all know God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I remember Nicodemus is a well-educated, well-learned religious leader. And he was confused. He said, what do you mean? How can an old man like myself go back into his mother's womb and be born again? That don't make no sense, Jesus. How many times does Jesus ask you to do something that don't make no sense? You're trying to reason in the natural. Like, how am I supposed to do that? What do you mean plant a church in Aurora? Where's Aurora? I'm just playing. I knew where Aurora was. Jesus replied, I assure you, uh, uh, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. That's why we water baptize here. And the spirit. So one is in the natural, right? We go down in the water. That's a, an external uh, expression of the work that we're saying is happening internally in us. But that's just part of the story. There's also a baptism of the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes you by fire and transforms your life. Verse 6 says, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. A lot of us are devoid of a spiritual life because we haven't allowed the Spirit of God to birth a spiritual life in us. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. You have to become something other than what you are right now. He's talking to a preacher. And he told that preacher, now you need to be made new. So guess what I'm saying to you today? You must be made new. If your relationship with the Lord is two days or 20 years old, there should be some transformation happening to you currently. Like right now. Like God is working on something in you right now. Can you testify to that? If not, there may be a problem going on. There may be some denial going on that you need to rectify. The next thing that you need to understand the truth of the transformational gospel is that God loves you as you are, but won't leave you as you are. 
Listen, listen, you are welcome here. No matter what you did last night, last week, last year, there is grace for all of it. He loves you for you, how you are, but he loves you so much that he wants to transform you and make you into something that you are not right now. God loves you so much that he refuses to leave you in the broken state that he found you in. That's good news. This is why we say that God is transformational. Transformation as a Christian involves a change in our thoughts and our beliefs and our values. You can't meet the risen Savior and think the same thoughts. You can't meet the risen Savior and believe the same beliefs. You can't meet the risen Savior and have the exact same set of values that you had before you knew him. There's a reason you needed saving. And you need to acknowledge that truth as we seek to align ourselves with the will of God. It requires us to surrender our old ways. Hey, um, God is not a magician. It's not abracadabra, your lust is gone. Uh-uh. It's not abracadabra and your witchcraft disappeared. There is an act of surrender on your part that must take place first. You have to say, Lord, you can have all of it. You must surrender your old ways of thinking and living. Part one. And part two is you, 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 and you must embrace a new way of living. Some of us are just sitting there waiting on God to fix it. Fix it, Jesus. Won't he do it? Won't he will? Yeah, he will right after you will. Hmm. He's not sitting there with a magic wand. Uh, abracadabra, holy. Abracadabra, righteous. You got to surrender. Hands up. I give up. I'm turning myself in. (laughs) That's how you become transformed. This transformation process leads you to a deeper and more meaningful relationship with God and others. Remember, God said that the The number one most important commandment to keep was to love God and have no other gods before him. And then he said the second one is just as important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do you love people? Or are you still walking around talking about, I'm not a people person? God is. Hmm? Why are you not? Mr. Christian? Mrs. Christian? How you not a people person and you got the spirit of the living God in you? Uh 
Why are you the one your coworker stay away from? God is in the people business. God wants to use you to advance his kingdom, and that requires you saying hi to somebody every now and then. But that only comes when you have that deeper, more meaningful relationship with God. Some of y'all cotton candy Christians. Y'all just want a little sugar here, a little glucose. So I amp you up. You want to just come to church, shout, and go home. That's fine, but there's more. There's so much more that he has for you. He wants to transform you so that people don't even recognize you. And all they see is him. Do people still see you? Or do they, do they see do they see him in you, through you? Do they hear him when you talk? Or are you too busy cussing people out for them to hear the king of kings in your mouth? I told you this is one of them. John 1 and 14 reminds us that the word became flesh. The reason that the word word is capitalized is because that word represents Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, this is important, full of grace and truth. Both are necessary, grace and truth. The problem is some of our Christianity and our theology is all grace and not enough truth. And on the other hand, some of us are all truth and no grace. But the correct doctrinal stance is that we demonstrate grace with the truth. Because grace attracts. That's why some of the things that we do are just full of grace. We want people to be attracted, but then the truth, it unravels. God invites us to be free, but truth sets us free. Don't miss that. We need both. We need it for ourselves. And we need it to be a good, a good representation of him when we interact with others. Some of us just want to beat people over side the head with a thick King James Version Bible all day. <laughs> and wonder why they don't get it, because you don't have no grace with it. You forgot how broken and messed up you was before you started reading King Jimmy. Grace attracts and truth unravels. We need to make sure that we are experiencing both and that we are giving both. This is part of us being transformed. I know for some of us, we, we, when we experience something great, 
We want the whole world to know. We want to run out and tell everybody, and that's awesome, but, but God is strategic. He's not random. He's not overzealous. He is strategic. Remember when you came to him? Did you forget that it was grace that walked you up to the cross? And on that other side of that cross, you started to experience a truth that really set you free. He wants you to do the same for others. This next truth is a little tough, okay? So take a deep breath. Let it out. Truth number three is if I'm not changing, I might not really know God. How can you experience the risen Savior and nothing about you is different? And it ain't just that day. How about today? Is anything about you different? Is anything within you changing today, this week, 2023? Are you changing even a little bit? I'll use the Bible because you offended. First John 1 and 6. Now you can't get mad at me. You're going to have to go talk to the Apostle John. So we are lying. I didn't say it. I'm just reading it. If we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, he wants to reemphasize and say, we are not <laughs> practicing the truth. You're a liar. Next verse. But if we are living in the light and God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John not done with you. He said, if we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. This is the third time he done called you a liar. I'm just reading. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. This is good news, y'all. You don't have to walk around like you are perfect because we know you ain't. I know that's bad grammar, but that's good doctrine. You ain't perfect. But there's grace for you. He says, if you confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Not just forgive us, though. He says he'll cleanse us from our wickedness. The problem is you show up to church with your little church face on. You want to act like everything is all good. You want to act like there ain't no issues, there ain't no problems, like y'all wasn't just arguing in the car. You a liar. According to scripture. That's not me, I'm just saying. You lying. This is a place where, where it should feel like a hospital and you get healed. This is not a museum where you come and put your little gifts on display for the world to see. This is the place where you should be vulnerable. Why? Because you want to be transformed. You can't be transformed acting like it's all good all the time. I know God is good all the time and all the time God is good, but sometimes you ain't. And you need him to transform that masterpiece that he's been trying to work on. 
Verse 10, if we have, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. So not only are you a liar, but you lying on God. It's your lying self. <laughs> and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Even though we be putting all kind of inspirational messages on Facebook. The Bible says the word has no place in our hearts. And John didn't let up. Like he kept his foot on the gas. Because in chapter 2, he said, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a what? And it's a little book. He's just steady calling us liars. And is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. They don't kind of love him. They don't love him a little bit. They don't like him. But when we obey what he tells us to do, it says that we are showing how completely we love. Do you completely love God? Or do you love him when it's convenient for you? Do you love him when he shows up and meets your need, but as soon as the need is met, you back to being the old you you were before the need arose? Liar. Verse 6 says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Come on, let's have some real church today. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Does your life look like Jesus' life? Do you have the heart of a servant? Have you prayed for anyone lately? Have you encouraged anyone lately? Have you done anything Christ-like lately? Anything! Because according to the scripture, this is what your life should look like. Here's what happens when we become transformed. In that same book, but in the fifth chapter and the third verse, Loving God means keeping his commandments, but when the transformation happens and his commandments are not burdensome, like it's not a big deal to live my life according to his word, does it still feel like a chore to you to live righteously? Or are you still trying to find out where's the line? Like, how close? <laughs> like, is wine and Hennessy okay? <laughs> I mean, marijuana's legal. It's from the earth. Like, how close to hell can I get? I just want to be sure. 
But see, when you become transformed, living holy is not burdensome. It's something that you strive for with a glad heart. Now, we ain't perfect, ain't not now. We just, we just went through several scriptures where we need him constantly. But if your journey with him feels burdensome, red alert, there's a problem. The commandments don't feel burdensome. You're mad, so let's move. And let's talk about three ways to let God transform you. Step number one is to get past your past. Get past who you were and focus on who God wants you to become. You're still talking about what you used to do. And you're still allowing others to remind you of what you used to do. And when they bring it up, it ruins your day, ruins your week, ruins your mood. Why? Because they still got power over you. Your past still has authority over you because you haven't gotten past your past. I think that's why the Bible is so full of examples of messed up people becoming heroes of the faith. Moses was a stone cold killer. Murdered dude with his hands. Bad boy. Had a speech impediment. He's like, God, I ain't the one. I can't even really talk that good. Maybe you should use my brother Aaron. And God said, nah, you and your messed up self are going to go to Egypt and get my people up out of there. You, but your broken self. Come on, King David. Come here, King. I can make a whole sermon series on how he messed up. But God called him a man after his own heart. Why would he do that? So you can know in your broken state, you can become a man or a woman after God's own heart. You have to get past your past and allow him to make you who he's trying to make you. Starts with you. Another one was a brother named Paul, who at one time, his name was Saul. And Saul of Tarsus made a living killing Christians. Not just anybody. He was specifically targeting followers of Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, we have eyewitness testimony of him executing Christians, standing there holding people's coats while they threw stones and killed Christians. He's overseeing Christian executions. And then God met that murderer on a road called Damascus and transformed him into a new creation. Gave him a new name. Said, no, you're not Saul no more. I am not dealing with your past. I'm taking you into your future. He did that so you can know that your past has nothing to do with your future in him. Paul, after his transformation, said this in the book of Romans in the first chapter. 
He's talking about himself now. Paul, not a murderer of Christians. Paul, not a former executioner. Mm -mm. He introduces himself post-transformation, not as Saul of Tarsus, but Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle. This is the best part. Set apart. Set apart. God set me apart for the gospel of God. He ain't tell you nothing about his rap sheet. He ain't tell you nothing about where he came from. He ain't tell you nothing about his education. He ain't tell you nothing about his socioeconomic status. He said, all you need to know about me is I have been set apart, not blending in, not at the line. I have been set apart for the sake of the gospel. That's all you need to know. I don't care what you heard. I don't care how you remember me from back then over there. What you need to know about Paul, I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ, set apart for the gospel. That's all you need to know. Paul, and again, when it, this time when he talked to the church at Colossae, he said, you used to do these things. Everybody say, you used to. When your life was still part of this world, but verse 8 says, but now, say, but now. now. It's the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. You need to go from you used to, to but now. Hello, you need to go within your heart. Talking about what you used to do and who you used to be, to but now. But now, this is who I am after experiencing the transformation power of God. When you introduce yourself to people, stop telling them about what you used to do. Focus on, but now. Here's what you need to know about me. I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ, set apart for the gospel. Step two is to let God transform you. It's not going to happen if you don't let it happen. I said, it's not, I sound like Mike Jones. It's not going to happen unless you let it happen. God is not a bully. He doesn't beat down the door. It says in the word that he knocks at the door. And he waits for that door to be answered and to be open. As Christians, we believe that God has the power to change us from the inside out. The gospel is not long skirts. It's not an external thing. That's all I'm trying to say. Makeup free women It's not the definition of holiness. Now, if you don't want to wear makeup, then don't wear makeup, but it's not the definition of what holy looks like. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can bring about a transformation where? In our hearts. We so focus on external. But a transformation 
doesn't happen externally first. It happens inside our hearts. And that leads us to desire to follow him and to live according to his will. Maybe it's a struggle for you to live according to his will because you haven't allowed the transformation to happen in your heart. You're so focused on the outside. You're trying to change when God is trying to transform. You're trying to change the outside and God is trying to transform the inside. If you allow the internal transformation to take place, the external change is just a byproduct. But you have to allow this to happen. In order to experience the transforming power of God in our lives, we must be open and receptive to it. Like you have to see it as a good thing for you. You have to stop talking about what you're losing, what you're leaving behind. What's better for you is to open yourself to what he has for you and all that stuff that you're worried about leaving behind will become a non-factor because what you experience through his transformation power so outweighs that life that you're leaving behind that seems so appealing. This transformation means that we must be willing to get out of our own way. We must be willing to get out of our own ways of thinking and living and make the decision to choose to live our life for him. Galatians 5, 19 through 24. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. It got quiet because you saw yourself in this list. (laughs) And that's okay. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom. Everybody ain't going. Grace and truth. I got to tell you the truth because I have to be accountable to God as your pastor. The Bible says you won't get in. But this is good. This is the but, man. The buts are like the best part. Because despite that, here's everything that he says on the other side of the but outweighs everything that happened before it. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good. I'm taking my time so you can identify whether or not these things are present. Is this fruit here? Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions. You see that? You have to nail the passions and desires of their sinful nature 
to the cross and crucified. You have to crucify those things. You have to nail those things. Do yourself a favor. Don't sit here and think about who needs to hear this message. You do. What do you need to nail to the cross today? Huh? You. What passion do you need to crucify to the cross today? Let that marinate in your spirit. What needs to die in your life today? As we allow God to transform our hearts, we begin to see changes in the way we live. We will be more loving. We will be more compassionate. We will be more obedient to God's commands. This new way of living is the result, my brothers and my sisters, of the transforming power of God at work in our lives. Our outlook towards him becomes different. The psalmist in Psalm 37 says, take delight in the Lord. That word delight in the original language gives a picture of a bride on her wedding day. I remember June 3rd, 2006, standing at the altar in my all white. <laughs> huh? And I was waiting, man, because up the hour, these closed doors, and then the doors opened, and I saw my, my bride with this beautiful smile on her face. She was delighting in the moment. That's the picture of this scripture. It's like you beholding the presence of God with this beautiful smile on your face. You beholding the word of God with this beautiful smile on your face. You in worship with this beautiful smile because you are delighting. You're anticipating. You're looking forward to being in his presence. When was the last time that you delighted in the Lord? The reason, if you take delight in the Lord, is he will give you your heart's desires. That doesn't mean he'll give you whatever you want. He's going to give you the desires. And then he's going to give you the fulfillment of those desires that actually came from it. But it only happens when you take delight in the Lord. You don't show up here as your Sunday ritual. You show up here in delight, in anticipation, in awe, waiting to experience him. There's a difference than just showing up and posting on, went to church today, thank you, do that. <laughs> but there is a difference. Some of you have been going to church so long that it's just a religious ritual instead of a delightful experience. 
You just come because, hey, I was, I was raised in church, you know. Or you come because you've been feeling a void lately. You've been like, man, I should get back to church. Or you just come. Because it's, it's Sunday. What else am I going to do? That's not what God wants. He wants you to delight in him. As the musicians begin to play, I'll wrap this up. In verse 5, it says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Not some things or a little bit of things or a certain category of things. If you want to be transformed, give him everything so that he can transform everything. Trust him. Listen, trust him and he will help you. That's what the scripture says. Do you believe his word to be true? It says, trust him and he will help. Some of us are facing situations where we are uncertain that the outcome will be in our favor. We're so concerned and stressed out and have so much anxiety about a circumstance or a person. But the word says if we trust him, even in that tough situation, season, or moment, he will help you. Do you need help? Well, trust him. Delight in him. Verse 6 says he will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like a noonday sun. You delight, you trust, and things become transformed. Those things that were once dark, they start to radiate in the light. Paul says in Philippians 2 and 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is the last one, maybe the most important one. Get started today. Like, not sometime, not another time, not one day. If you pull out your calendar app, there's not a day that says one day. Ain't no someday on your calendar. God wants you to get this transformation started today. There are parts of your life that need transforming. You have to admit it. You couldn't have sat through all this and not been urged by the Holy Spirit. That's a little something, something that has yet to be transformed. So God wants you to begin that journey today. This is the last scripture I'm going to give you, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. But we all with unveiled face. He's saying, stop fronting. We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror. What's that mirror? It's the word of God. You should look at it and see a reflection of where you 
are. You shouldn't look into it and see somebody else that needs this word. You should see you. Because you need this word. We with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. This is the process. We stop fronting, we come into his presence, and we see us, and we see what needs him, and then we become transformed into the same image of him from glory to glory just by the Spirit of the Lord. I'll leave you with this and then we'll pray. Prayer team can come forward. The transformation that takes place in the lives of Christians is a powerful and transformative experience. You can't miss that. When you seek after him, a process of transformation, a process of you becoming something else begins. If you are exactly, precisely the same, you have not been transformed. You have not experienced the true gospel yet. You have to allow it to take place. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and faith in Jesus Christ, we can experience a complete overhaul of our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Leading to a new way of thinking and leading to a new way of living. As transformed people, we are called to love and serve others and to be a positive influence on the world around us. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.